Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hey, hi. It's time again to have a little chat with you listeners out there, wherever you are, on the road, in your home, um, about parenting, grandparenting, and the world as it stands. And not only parenting and grandparenting, but something actually that could be argued to be even more important, that being marriage. I like it on the airplane every time, and we hear this announcement, it seems like, pretty much every day now, as much travel as we do, and that's when the flight attendant comes on and says, if oxygen masks appear and you are with a child, please put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then attend to the child. And I think that's a pretty good metaphor for the fact that we need to focus the highest of all of our priorities on our marriages if we are indeed married. And that's where the very first priority should come. And very close second is the priority of the children. What do you think, Linda? Do you think that... Do you think people in general across this world of ours, well-meaning people, family people, do you think they work harder on their parenting or on their marriage? I think they probably work on their parenting. And I heard a delightful story yesterday that kind of, I think, applies to this just great. There was a child uh, looking, a young child just looking at a, a picture book. And somebody came, one of the elder sisters came along and said, what are you doing and she said, well, I'm looking at the pictures. And the other child said, well, you should be reading the words. And the other child said, no, you just read the words if you don't get the pictures. And <laughs> I think that really does apply to, you know, you don't get it. If you, if you don't have a good marriage, the words aren't going to mean a lot. You have to get the picture that it is so important. And we have to start with knowing that there are going to be a lot of single parents listening to this and so on, and, and there are certainly ways to get around it and to have a happy family when you're a single parent. But it is so much easier if you work with a good, start with a good marriage. Well, and I think today <clears throat> the show we're going to focus on marriage, and we're, of course, speaking primarily to those who are married and who have families, uh, have children, and I guess one way to think about it, and again, I, I think you can have a real debate. I think some people would argue, no, parenting is probably a more important skill, a more powerful skill set than a good marriage. But I, I just would disagree. I just think that if you are a married person with children, and you might say, well, they're equally important. How do you differentiate one from the other? But I just think it is a little like the chicken and the egg, but I think marriage is the chicken, and <laughs> I'm getting in deep on this. Oh, metaphor, yeah, you are. I, I don't know how that's going <laughs> to go. Eggs are the kids, but uh, I, one way to say it is, I love the old cliche, the best thing you can do for your children is to love their mother, if you're a, if you're a dad. The best thing you can do for your kids is to love their father if you're a mom. And what I take from that is that uh, when you're working on your marriage, trying to make it better, trying to become more unified, trying to become more committed to each other, trying to respect and love each other more, you're really doing a lot for your kids because nowhere do kids get greater security than from really feeling like their mom and dad 
love each other. Now, that doesn't mean, I, I think, some people go too far, don't they, Linda? Remember that woman we talked to a long, long ago who said she'd been married for a month and she'd already had a fight with her partner and with her, with her husband and, and she thought it must be terrible. Maybe her marriage was doomed because in all the years she'd lived with her parents, they had never, ever had a single fight. And I said, oh, yes, they did. They just hid it from you. You just never saw it. So we're not saying you should never have a disagreement. We're not saying you should be clones of each other. Uh, We're just saying the harder you work on your marriage, the more secure your kids will feel. And by the way, kids have a tendency to see danger signals when there aren't even any there. I mean, there's studies that show that kids, when they see their parents in conflict and don't see the resolution of the conflict, they end up saying in their own little heads, oh, my goodness, my mommy and daddy are going to get divorced, even if that's not even on the horizon. They get worried about it. So if your kids see you in conflict, be sure they also see you making up and reconciling and getting back on the same page. Absolutely. I, I We were speaking last night uh, to a group of, of young MBA students and their wives and uh, law students as well and accounting students, and they were all graduate students. And uh, it was really a fun evening because we, we talked extensively about things you can do to have a better partnership. And uh, we realized that you know, you and I are pretty strong-willed, let's face it. And actually, I'm almost always right in every argument, and it takes a long time to convince you sometimes. But um, we were talking about the importance of having a little, what we call an executive session. I'm married to a business school guy, and so everything has to be business terms. I loved it last night, by the way. Talking to business school guys, I could just cut loose and haul out all my old MBA terminology and throw it right on them. And they knew just what you meant, (laughs) Um, even though maybe the wives didn't. But it really was so fun to talk through with them some real solid methods of having a partnership that really works. Because, you know, they all had little kids. Um, There were a few that didn't have children yet or some that were pregnant with their first, but most of them had, many, many of them had four kids under five, and um, I mean, that's just a baby-producing place there, and this is down in Provo, Utah, and um, it was really delightful to see how hard they were working at what they were doing, and, you know, when you have a lot of little kids or even like two little preschoolers, even one baby, it takes so much time, so much of your attention, and we have to remember that as much as we love our children and as much attention as they need, we really have to pay attention to each other. Well, I think that's right. And I, again, back to our theme, you know, what I tried to say to them last night, I I came down a little hard. Did you think I came down a little hard? Uh, yeah, I did. And I, I said that. I mean, you know, we, just because we argue all the time and we have to work things out and so on, some people don't argue all the time. And uh, oh, those are boring. Those are really boring. That boring. was your response, and I don't know <laughs> if there's some little couples there that just haven't had an argument much. You know, um, that's okay too. I think that's fine. I know you think it's boring, but um, well, where I mean, where I can't, you know, we kind of played good cop, bad cop last night. Linda was like, "You're all great. You're all wonderful. You're going to have wonderful lives. You're going to be happy and successful." And I was sort of the bad cop, and I was sort of saying, you know. 
there are more marriages in graduate school and just following graduate school and at any other time in a marriage. And the reason, uh, excuse me, did I say more divorces? I meant more divorces in marriages uh, during and right after graduate school than any other time. And I said, I think the reason is we don't prioritize marriage as much as we should. We say, well, I got to get through grad school. I got to get a job. I got to be successful. I've got to do well these first few years. And, you know, I kind of take my marriage for granted because, hey, we're married, we'll stay married, and, you know, we'll have more time together later on. And then kids come along, and it's like, wow, now we've got kids to, we got to concentrate on these kids. They need us all the time. They're the squeaky wheel. They get the grease. And so gradually, if we're not careful, our marriage becomes the third priority somewhere behind the school and the career and the kids. And man, that's a recipe for disaster. So I was, I was trying to lower the boom on these these students and say, you better pay attention to keeping your marriage strong because if that gets weak, forget about your career and your family. It's all going to go south. Yeah, that's it's just really true, I and mean, you have to admit it. Um, it really is a hard, hard time in life, and we kept telling him to remember how much fun they're having because it is a fun time. When you look back at it, it's a really fun time. But they have to remind themselves of it. But they, you have to keep reminding yourself when you're, you know, there's a bug going through the house and you're cleaning up, throw up and diarrhea every three or four hours. And it really is, it's just a really hard time. But if you just remind yourself, this is not, this this too will pass. It's going to pass over. This This is a stage we have a stage right now that our little one of our little grandsons in he's two and a half and he is OCD on mascara. No matter where his mother puts the mascara, he, he finds, finds it. it. He's and like a mascara magnet. He is, and he puts it all over his little brother's face. He's got a little brother. <laughs> That's two. And well, he's three and a half, so the brother is two. And he honestly, uses it like war paint, though. Not he doesn't put it on the eyes. He doesn't understand its eye makeup. He uses it like a war paint oh, on yeah. the cheeks. Oh yeah, exactly. But he does a pretty good job, you know, making round circles around the eyes too, and also the carpet and also the walls. And in fact, for Christmas, this little family gave me a T-shirt that I had my had admired on my son, and he said, "Oh, this well, this gets for mom." But there's a big blob of mascara on it, and they thought that really. <laughs> Uh, they said we tried to get out, but you would appreciate it because I spent about an hour and a half getting mascara out of the carpet when I was at their house last time. By the way, Linda, what does that have to do with anything? Well, what it has to do with is <laughs> life is hard, and these kids go through these stages, and you think you're going to die before they go on to the next stage. Okay, I got. You. And then you can hardly even remember it happened. You got to remember to write it down, and then just keep reminding yourself this is fun. Well, we do. We, we're not just talking about student and young young marriage. But right. I do want to say one more thing on that, and then we'll expand it a little. Um, we have two sons right now who are going to graduate school, and um, one in, at University of Southern California and one at UPenn in Philadelphia, and they're near Philadelphia. And they um, they are really burning the candle at both ends because they've got families, they've got kids, they're, they're, they've got full-time jobs, and they're going to these executive graduate programs at the same time. And... Our advice to them, and of course they they know this, I mean, believe me, they really do, and they can teach us a lot about it, but keep the marriage as the first priority and have the kids as the second priority 
and then find a place in third or fourth priority for your job and for your school. Now, some listeners are thinking, oh, boy, that's just pie in the sky. That's just, that's just in the ideal perfect world. And, in fact, some jobs are so demanding and some educational programs are so demanding that you don't really have a choice whether you put your family and your marriage first. And I say to those people who are saying that, oh, yes, you do. There is always a choice. Sometimes it takes a lot of creativity and a lot of careful planning, and sometimes it takes changing jobs. But the minute you give up and say, I cannot prioritize my marriage or my family, you're in a lot of trouble. Well, let me remind you, Richard, that when we were first married, we lived in Washington, D.C., actually in McLean, Virginia, which is a suburb. And um, I, it was a hard time for us then because you were gone four days a week. You were a political consultant. You were going to Puerto Rico. You were going to uh, up and down the East Coast doing this consulting for political candidates. And you were gone four days a week, and then you'd come home for the weekend and then leave again and so on, and I'd just get everything organized, and you come home and reorganize everything. And it finally got so old for us, and it went on for a couple years, actually, and it just we decided it just wasn't worth it. Remember that? And then Well, we yeah, I remember quit. it. And, I I'm, mean, and I'm not saying that, I've, that I'm perfect at it or that I ever was perfect at it, but I... But I think I can apply it to us, too. If we hadn't got figured that out and made some changes, who knows if we would still be on the phone together. Let's, yeah. let's take a little break, and when we come back after the break, let's expand this discussion a little bit to maybe some tips for all marriage partners, whatever age they are. We'll be right back after this break. Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back. Um, talking about marriage today. And we actually, the first half, we talked a little bit about students, uh, married students that we spoke to last night. And now we're going to branch out and talk about all marriages, even those who have been married as long as we have, which is a long time. Oh, my goodness. Don't even think about it. It's such a long time, Linda. We have known each other for eternity, it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know whether to take that or which way to take it. All I know is I can't even remember how horrible it must have been to not be a partner with you, kiddo. I know. It's been quite a roller coaster ride, but boy, have we had a lot of fun. And actually, our kids have made it fun, but we have had to really concentrate on maintaining our relationship with each other. And I think no matter how old your kids are, one of the best things we ever did for our kids was to have what we call a five-facet review. And we probably mentioned this before, but it, I think it's just crucial. It's one of the things that kept us really on target and not only helping our children, but keeping our partnership alive. Well, see, I think we've mentioned the five-facet review before, but in a parenting context, we've challenged you. Uh, you may have, if you're a, a regular listener, you've probably heard us say, go out once a month as a partnership together and think about each of your kids, how they doing, how's each one doing physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, spiritually, taking notes, working on it. But, and obviously that's a parenting piece of advice. But guess what? 
one of the things that really keeps marriage partners, husbands and wives, together and progressing in their relationship is to have a common cause, a proactive cause of the children and to be working with with effort and, and rigor on being better parents to those kids. And, and as you become better parents together through your discussion, your brainstorming, your working, your proactive strategizing and so on, that's what draws you ever closer to each other. So it's a, it's a wonderful marriage technique as well. But Linda, if I were to ask you, if I were to say to you, what is the most, the sort of preeminent principle, the preeminent um, uh, governing force of whether a marriage is a is progressing and getting better or not. What would you say? Uh, how much you talk to each other at dinner? <laughs> <laughs> we, Ooh, we're in trouble then. We keep sitting by these people though at restaurants, the older couples, and they just stare into space for the. Oh, whole you mean hour. that sort? Oh, you mean that sort of a way to tell whether they're uh, right? Whether they got anything to talk about anymore? Right. Okay. Okay. Exactly. Well, I, w- I was thinking more of what advice would, if, if someone came to you and said, can, I, I can only take one piece of advice from you, how do I, what do I do to make sure I have a good marriage? What would you tell them? Um, I do think it's important to have a meeting uh, once a week. We have, once again, because of our business background, an executive session every Sunday. And we meet together, we talk about the week, we talk about the issues of uh, where we have to be and what you know what has to happen, but mostly uh, it's important because we talk about things that maybe had upset us during the week or things that we were worried about. Um, we got a good suggestion from someone last night uh, when you're upset about something your spouse has said. Uh, if you start with, this is how it makes me feel when you say that to me, then they can empathize. If you attack them, for what it is they said, then they're just defensive. And I think that's really good. But we have a time and place when we do that because, because as we mentioned earlier, we do disagree quite a lot. Well, and I'll just enhance that a little. I think what, I think what you're suggesting, Linda, and it is a kind of a saving grace for us that once a week on Sundays, almost always on Sunday, we set aside a little time for this executive session. But the, the, the real kingpin of it, the real keystone in that arch is what we call a testimony meeting and it's when we each take a turn to bear our soul so to speak to really let out our feelings to the other person not only our feelings about our beliefs and and what we hold dear but also our feelings about each other and they can be they're almost usually mostly positive but they can also include it really upset me last wednesday when you did this or that and it's almost like we don't we have never been able and i'm i'm not saying that it's not a good idea and there aren't some people who can do it but we've never been able to follow that old adage never let the sun set on a disagreement or never go to bed without resolving everything because sometimes life is busy and you know, we would find ourselves up at four in the morning, and we'd be getting worse instead of better. Yeah. So, so we've modified it to say never let the weekend without getting things resolved. You know the old saying, unexpressed feelings never die. They just get buried and come forth later in uglier forms. And 
to to active people who are strong-willed and have a mind of their own, almost every week in a marriage there would probably be some feeling that wasn't entirely positive. And maybe the opportunity to express it right at the moment isn't always the best idea. I mean, you know, the old uh, uh, prototypical Italian family just yelling at each other, saying what they want, when they feel it, all the time actually probably doesn't work for most people and and so you probably maybe get to the end of the week and maybe there is something that you're not a hundred percent together on and this Sunday session or this executive session would be the time to resolve that and if you resolve it in a testimony meeting in a in a feeling session where you're in an atmosphere of love and, and control it doesn't tend to start new arguments instead it tends to sort of satisfy whatever the disagreement was earlier in the week. Well, I have to say some people can do that well and some people really can't. I mean, they're just people that express themselves in different ways, but you have to find your way yeah, of expressing your way. things to to each other. And I do think that it's so important to um let your children let you know let your children know that you still love each other. And that can be by just a hug or a compliment in front of the kids or whatever. I think Or even just telling them, "Hey, you noticed mom and I disagreed on the movie last night or whatever. Guess what? We worked that out. Here's how we worked it out." And and it not only helps the kids say, "Mom and dad are not going to get divorced." It also helps them realize, wow, this is a model for when you have a disagreement with someone, you work it out. Well, yeah, but not only a disagreement. I'm just saying to show your love for each other oh, in right, front of the kids. Right. I mean, we have a daughter that does especially well on this. Um, they got some ideas from their brother and sister-in-law because they're just very affectionate. I mean, some people are more affectionate openly. We're not saying that you have to dip your wife and, you know, give her a big kiss in the kitchen at dinner time or something. But that will make your kids very happy if they see you do that. Uh, either that or they'll, yuck, you've got a nine-year-old. But anyway. Well, I'll be happy even if they say yuck. I guess so. But anyway, I, I do think it's important to just express because we just get so busy with life and after you've been together for years and years and years you have to remind yourself that of course you love each other of course you support one another but expressing that openly while the kids are there or just to each other is so important just to keep reminding yourself that you love this person that you live with well what you don't want to be like is the old couple from the old country Alf and Anna and Anna says Alf you never tell me that you love me anymore and Alf says Anna I told you that on the day we were married and if anything ever changes you'll be the first to know You know, I think probably my dad, who was a stoic farmer, might fall into that category. <laughs> well, <laughs> don't do it. I, if you I, love him, tell him. Um, absolutely. But the the point is that some people find it easier to express that than others, and sometimes that you can do it with a note. Sometimes you can just do it with a right. expression and so on. And uh, everybody is not just like you, Richard, who um, well, really... I, 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 I don't tell anyone else I love them every day. So. No, you don't. But you shower me with compliments and tell me you love me. Because you so deserve them. Well, I know, but you're just naturally that way. And not everybody is that way, but they have to find their own way of expressing that. I agree. I totally agree. Now, you know, if you were to ask me that same question, I mean, the one I asked you, what is the single thing you'd say, I, I'd i be pretty much in line with what you've said. And I might, I might put it in a little different way. I might say... 
you need to be proactive in your marriage you, as a couple. I mean, you, you don't leave it to chance. You don't say, well, let's leave well enough along. We seem to be doing fine. We're not killing each other. We're not at each other's throats. Let's just let it lie. No, no, no. Marriage needs constant maintenance. That's kind of... I just used a little alliteration there, Linda. Marriage needs constant maintenance. And I really think it does. And, and, and not only by having these, it sounds funny you have to schedule a meeting with the person you're married to, but frankly, if you don't do that every week, sometimes weeks go into months and you just don't find that time to really sit down and communicate. But I would add one other thing to this proactive thing, and that is you ought to have a goal for your relationship. Now, some people say, what What do you mean a goal for your relationship? Goals are things you use for achievements, like how much money you want to make or how big a house you want to have or when you want to get promoted at work or whatever. You don't, you don't have a goal for a relationship. Well, actually, you do. And a goal is nothing more than a vision of a thing the way you want it to be in the future. And we have seen wonderful success with couples who will each take the time to write down a little description of the relationship they want to have with their spouse five years from now. A little description of what you want to feel, what you want to share, what you want to have in common, how you want to deal with things. A little written description of your marriage five years from now can be a wonderful, proactive way to sort of focus on what can I do to make this better. Um, I do think that's really, really important. But we have something to talk about after this radio show. I just saw an email go by just before we started about you're offering our services as a string quartet at a meeting, <laughs> which you did not oh, talk you to me about. Oh, you and the other people in the string quartet. Yeah, I just thought I'd offer No, you your... have to talk well, to me manager, about that, Linda. honey. I'm your manager, <laughs> No, you are not. <laughs> and we will have a little uh, discussion about this as soon as we hang up, just so that you know that we do not agree on everything. So on that note, we're out of time, and you can comfort yourselves by knowing that the Ayers who have just spoken for a half hour on marriage are now going to have an argument as we end this show. <laughs> we'll see you next week on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye. <laughs> 